Let's open up tonight to the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. We're going to read verse 15 to verse 19. Ephesians 1, verse 15, it says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Lord, tonight as we come to the study of your word, we ask now your blessing. We ask you, Lord, that you would anoint this time with your spirit. Lord, that you would lead and guide us into all truth. That as we look into the perfect law of liberty, God, that we would not be forgetful hearers. But, Lord, that we would be doers of the word. God, the entrance of your word brings light, your word says. Your word is a lamp and a light unto our feet, God. And so, Lord, tonight I pray your blessing over this time. God, give us revelation, give us understanding. And, Lord, I pray that you would use this time to make us desire more of you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We come to our time in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to consider Paul's praise to God and his prayer for the saints in Ephesus. He, he begins after he... After he gives that 14, or, or from verse 3 to verse 14, that one continuing sentence, after he concludes that, he then begins to offer to God praise, and then he lists there, he gives a prayer that he has for the church there at Ephesus. And as we looked at that, we've considered over our time looking at Ephesians 1, we've seen what God has done for us. We've seen how truly blessed we are. We've seen the, the work of the Father in our salvation, how the Father planned it from eternity past. We've seen the work of God the Son, that God the Son purchased our salvation. He stepped down into time. He took on flesh and He became man and He died in our place. Then we see the work of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit applies that salvation. He, he applies it to the heart. He makes us new creatures in Christ. And we've seen this list of spiritual blessings that he says are ours. And I just want to real quickly touch on them again. He says we're chosen. We were chosen in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose us and then he changed us. He made us holy and blameless before him in love. Not only that, not only are we chosen, but then he predestined us to adoption. He adopted us. He made us sons and daughters. And then he accepted us. It says we are accepted in the beloved. 
Not only that, but we are redeemed. We're redeemed. We're forgiven. We have the forgiveness of sins through his blood. We have an abundance of grace. Grace that's poured out not just a little bit, not just a, a touch of it, but it's poured out abundantly. Grace that we cannot out-sin. That's an amazing thing. You can't out-sin. Um, you can't sin, out-sin the grace of God. Amen. That's an encouraging thing to realize. That doesn't, that doesn't mean, Brother Thompson, that I wake up and I intend to sin each day. But what that means is that in spite of myself, God still loves me. In spite of me, he's going to keep me. In spite of me, he's going to hold on to me. Amen. Because his grace is abundant. We've been given abundance of grace. Not only that, but we have an inheritance we have an inheritance, and then it says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have the guarantee of full redemption. We have the sealing of the Holy Spirit that he possesses us. He is ours. He lives in us, and we are blessed. Amen. We're blessed. Amen. We are a blessed people. And Paul, after he does that, he begins in verse 15... And here we see his praise to God for them and then his prayer. His praise to God for them and then his prayer. Verse 15, he says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here we see his praise. He says, therefore I also, one translation says, for this reason, because of all of what I have said, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. And you remember, Paul is in prison when he's writing this. He is sitting in a prison cell in Rome. He's writing to this church in Ephesus that he was the pastor of, or he dwelt there for three years laboring in the city of Ephesus. And now at the time of his writing, it's been four to seven years since Paul has been there. Paul has not been to Ephesus in four to seven years. And he's addressing them. And not only is he addressing the church at Ephesus, but he knows this letter is going to be read in other churches. And he says to them, he speaks to them, when I heard of your faith, look at what he says in verse 15. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now this is the third time he has said the Lord Jesus. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. He calls him Lord. This won't be the last time he uses that language, but he calls him the Lord. And I want to say to you tonight, our Jesus is Lord. Amen. He is Lord over all creation. He is the Lord. He is the one that rules over everything. And I want to say to you tonight, if Jesus is your Savior, Jesus is the Lord of your life. That means He is the one who has the final say. He is the one that is in charge. He's the Lord. He's the one that is over our life. And to receive Him as Savior is to receive Him as Lord. I don't want to get off track here. But it's good to touch on these things because I believe every one of us have encountered what I'm about to say. There was a movement 
and it's still here. There are still people that hold to this way of belief and way of thinking in regards to our salvation that you could somehow separate Jesus being Savior and Jesus as being Lord of your life. And they would say things like, well, Jesus saved me when I was a, a young boy, but he didn't become Lord of my life till I was 19 or 20. You ever heard testimonies like that? I have. I committed to the Lord. I, I, I asked the Lord into my heart at church camp in seventh grade, but he really didn't become Lord of my life till I was 24 or 25. And I want to say to you, Jesus didn't become your Savior till 24 